0: Today we're going to be talking about a topic that a lot of times feels like taboo to talk about it. And the reason why it's been, it seems like something that's taboo to talk about is because how it's been abused and misused, this topic, in the church. So when we think of this topic, we, we usually have a bad taste in our mouth when it comes to church. Like, oh, here it goes again, here, oh, I, you know, they told me about this, you know, I, I was waiting for this one. And so we're talking about giving today. We're talking about money. Somebody say, money, money, money. There you go. Where was the reverb on my mic for that? No, I'm just kidding. We are, you know, the Bible talks a lot about money. Um, It's an important issue to talk about. But unfortunately, we are in a culture that is obsessed with money and that obsession has leaked into the church. And so what we've had is we've had this, this, uh, this thing called the prosperity gospel that has been all about how you make more money, and Christianity is about how I can trick God into making me a millionaire, that God is my slot machine, that the more I give to Sunday church, the more that God is going to give me promotions and zeros at the end of my bank account. And what we've made it into is God is, you know, it's like going to Atlantic City. I'm going to throw my $100 in the thing today, and let's see if I get $1,000. Let's see if I get $500. Let's see if I get $200. Let's see what's going to happen. But guess what? God, you owe me something because dying on the cross wasn't good enough. There's something else you still have to give me. I've given you my time, now I've given you my money, and so guess what? You owe me. And that's what we have reduced the topic of money to in the church. And so that I have like a, this kind of righteous anger, and I feel okay about this righteous anger, because when Jesus went into the temple, and they were selling things in the temple, and they were abusing and misusing money in the temple, what happened? He had a righteous anger. And that's a, a story of Jesus... Flipping out. If you ever think like, yo, did he have human emotion? Yes, he cried. He got angry. He was happy. He made jokes. Jesus was a human being. And so at, at one point, he walks into the temple in Jerusalem, and he sees the misuse of money. And what does he do? He goes to the people that were collecting the money, and he flips over their tables. He gets a whip and starts hitting people outside of the temple, and he just clears the room. Because he was angry. And so you may, I'm just, I'm, I'm warning you right now. So you may sense some, a little bit of anger in my talk when I talk about how it's abused. Because I feel like we have allowed this part of our culture which has an obsession with money and all that it brings seep into our church. And therefore we have denied ourselves from having a godly good view, healthy view of what money is and how to use it and how it can actually be this thing that is really beautiful in our relationship with God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, in the beginning of our series, we talked about the kind of foundation of the church. and, And that is this, this thing that we keep talking about called the gospel. It's, it's the good news, what Jesus had done. So in the beginning of the, of the book of Acts, we see that Jesus ascends into heaven, and then we see the dissension of the Holy Spirit. And this is kind of the foundation of the church, right? How did Christianity spread? How did it become this worldwide phenomenon in just 300 years? The emperor of Rome converted to Christianity. How did this happen? Why is it the biggest religion today? I hate using that word, but it's just in our context, it makes sense to use that word. How is it that th- there are no other religion has as many practitioners as Christianity. Well, it started with this this understanding, this message, this good news called the gospel. And then what we did is we started looking into how did this gospel, this message, this amazing thing that had happened, how did it begin to affect the church? And so we first talked about the proclamation of the gospel, that when you encounter the good news of Jesus Christ, there's something in you that has to tell others about it. And so Peter stood up and he began to proclaim the good news of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, to atone for our sins, to pay off our debt so that we can have relationship with God again. And we see after he proclaims, thousands of people join this thing called Christianity. Then we see How the gospel affected unity, and and these people that joined the church, they start working together in ways that humankind still can only imagine about today, can only hope for, could only desire. And again, it says the church grew because of this. The outsiders looked at this, and they saw something different. Then we saw that the gospel has a demonstration aspect to it, that there is actually power behind the gospel, that it's not just empty words that we talk about, not just things that, you know, you hear me shout about on Sunday. It's not just things that people talk about that, you know, people like talking, you know. It's like, oh, did you hear about this cool movie? No, there is actually power behind it. And so we see a, a lame man walk after Peter says, rise and walk, because the gospel is good news. And then today we're going to talk about how the gospel affects us generously in our giving, in our lifestyle, when it comes to money. That when, when, we, when we say that song, you're worthy of it all. We always think of like, oh, you're you're worthy of my emotions, you're worthy of my time, you're worthy of, you know, me coming to church on Sunday, but you're worthy of this? Hell no. You know, all minus, you know, and it, you know, that's the practical stuff, Justin. We don't you know, when I say all, it's like this very metaphysical, you know, this very goosebumpy, uh very oh, that sounds nice, it feels nice, but when it gets to practical, yes. He's worthy of it all. And we're going to see how the gospel affected the early community in their generosity, in their use and the idea of money. And so let's read. We're, we're going to look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35. So this is a, uh, a passage after. We're skipping a passage. Uh, After the lame man was healed, Peter got up and preached and more people joined the church. So we see this constant theme every week of how the gospel is affecting a different way of life or a different part of the church. And we keep on seeing people entering and joining the church because of it. And so now we're going to start in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and we're going to read to verse 35. It says, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And it was distributed to each as any had need. You know, when we first start thinking about generosity, we have to look at first the generosity of Jesus. Because if you wonder, how how do we get to this point where people are selling their land, they're selling their homes because they see their brothers and sisters in need? How, How is it that... People come to this place where their possessions, the things that they crave, right, in our culture, these are the things we strive for, the things that are are how we know when we hit it to the top of the ladder, how we know that we hit success. How, How is it that they give up of this? You know, for those of us that own a home, the thought of selling it for us that don't own a home, the thought of buying it and then getting rid of it when we finally have this thing that we want, Okay, everything that we've been reading about has been crazy. This is outside the norms of how humans usually interact. It's okay, I'm prepared for less amens today. So if you're wondering why it's so quiet, I, it's all right. I know that when, we t- when I talk about this, I'm not going to get like amen and hallelujah. And, you know, no one's going to take out their handkerchief and wave me down. It's cool. I understand. I won't cry myself to sleep tonight. But we have to look at Jesus, because if you wonder, how is it that people can act like this? Well, then you have to go to their creator. You have to go to where the source is coming from. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you see somebody that is incredibly generous. You see someone that is incredibly generous with all that he has. Scripture tells us that he emptied himself for us. You know, if you hang out, you know, if you host your family over for a holiday or you just have friends over and you host, you know, a lot of times, depending how introverted or extroverted you are, I know I'm an introvert, so a lot of times I can feel empty. You know, I, I need a recharge. It's like that's just hosting a party. Jesus literally gave up his life for us. He, when it says empty himself, it is every literal sense of that word that he emptied himself. He took upon the sin of the world. He left his throne in heaven where the streets are paved with gold so that he can be born in a manger, like the poorest of the poor, that they rejected them from the inn, and so he had to be born where the animals sleep. Who knows the smell that he came into the world with, right? If you have, I know we're not like farm people in New York City, but you know, if you've ever made a trip to like Amish land or something, and there's just this smell in the atmosphere. Like, I remember when I went to Pennsylvania, and I, was, I went to this church, and I was like, man, what is that smell? <laughs> it was, and we were not even, like, next to an animal house. It was the weirdest thing in the world. And they're like, yeah, you know, they're, it's planting season, so they use the manure. And th- the church was like, it had a lot of fields around it, but apparently all the fields were, like, sown with manure, you know? And I was like, so people just come every Sunday with this? This, this is pretty amazing. <laughs> good for you guys that you still have people coming on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, he was, he was born into this disgust, the, the lowest. He wasn't born in the palace of the Roman Empire. He wasn't born somebody that had the lineage of humankind that everybody wanted. He was born in Bethlehem, the city that nobody knew about, nobody cared about. In this place where animals lived, not humans. He left his throne for that to be spit on, rejected, and crucified by his own people. I mean, It blows me away. Jesus was generous with it all. There was no practical side to the all word and spiritual side to the all word. He gave it all. And so when you look at the generosity of Jesus and you look at the generosity that God had towards us, that even when we rejected him, he still generously came and made a way for us to be in relationship with him then maybe it doesn't seem so crazy that we as a people can be generous with what we have. Because Jesus gave the ultimate thing. He didn't just give his house, he didn't give his bank account, he didn't give his wallet, he gave his life. And a natural response to the good news of Jesus is a generous heart. It says here that the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. And then right after that, it says that the people, like the the acts of giving that they had were insane. I, I mean, I really want us to grasp what was happening here. Because when you say you sell your house, you sell your land, just like today, we kind of see this, but back then, your, your land and your home was everything. That was your way of income. Like when there were lords and, and, and princes, what happened was how they accumulated wealth was how much land that they had. And so a person's status, a person's a, uh, wealth, a person's livelihood was many, many, many times tied up in how much land that they had and what their house was. Money back then did the same thing that money does now, and that's this. Money promises a sense of security and a sense of power. Why are people enamored with money so much? Why do people hold on to money so much? Why do people not give away their money? Because money whispers in your ear that you will have control over your future with it. Money whispers in your ear that as long as you have me, you have a secure life ahead of you. Money whispers in your ear that the more you accumulate of me, the more power and the more influence you will have. Money promises this sense of control and this idea of power that as humans innately We are born and taught to strive for. But Jesus, he promises fulfillment and he promises life. In Christ, we have a security that comes that money cannot buy. In Jesus. Is set in a way that cannot be robbed. See, money is this interesting thing because it will promise you things. Tell you'll be good in life, right? You'll you you look at your retirement. You know, you start saving for it now, and when you're 60, when you're 65, when you retire, you know. Now it's like when you're 70, 75, when you retire. Then it's going to be like 80, 85, and you retire. I swear, as, as when the young adults' age goes up, so does retirement. So, like, young adults are, like, 40 years old now, and retirement is, like, 80. By the time I'm going to be, like, 65 and still going to young adults ministry, and, like, retirement's going to be around 110. But the thing about money is it promises all these things but I've, I've learned something about money is it can be here today and it can be gone tomorrow. Like if you've ever come into a big sum of money and the, the best example is people who win the lottery. It is statistically that like 95% of people that win the lottery will go bankrupt. Because money will promise you the world but at the end of the day it will leave you empty. You can pile it and pile it and pile it, and then something happens, and it's gone. The thing is, we love money a lot more than money loves us, but money will whisper, it will promise, it will lie, and it will show love because it wants your attention, because in this world there are... Thousands of things that are competing for our attention with God so that when we sing that song, when we say you are worthy of it all, in the back of our mind we're saying, yeah, you're worthy of these good feelings, but you are not worthy of X, Y, and Z. You're not worthy of my money. You're not worthy of my resources. You're not really worthy of my time. Because the idols that we have formed in our culture, the idols that we have formed in our heart continually make God take the back seat in our life. When you ask, so what is the solution, Justin? Because I can't fathom the thought of parting with my resources. I can't fathom the thought of being okay if I had a little bit in my bank account and if I had a lot in my bank account. I can't rectify this this pursuit, this, this ambition in my heart that constantly wants more. And the more that I want, the less I become generous in my life. How do I rectify this? what we read about here in this passage is that that rectification, that that thing that dethrones the idol of money in our life, that dethrones the idolatry of power and control that money offers is the gospel, is what Jesus has done and looking and meditating on who he is and what he has done for us. And just like we learn that the gospel is, is powerful enough to heal a man who has never walked before. The gospel is just as powerful to heal our hearts from its idolatry of money. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. And so the next passage that we're going to look at, we're going to look at two people. The first passage we're going to look at this first guy this generous guy and starting in verse 36 we're going to read about this this man that he heard the news he sees what's going on we're reading about this community and we're going to look at how this works in his life and it says thus joseph who was called by the apostles barnabas which means son of encouragement a levite a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He sold his status, he sold his security, he sold his power, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. And he does it not because he was told to. We don't see any promises here. Of having riches beyond his belief. So he doesn't do it because he thinks Jesus is some slot machine in his life. Where he's going to get more as long as he gives. He doesn't do it because he was compelled to. He does it in reaction to what Jesus has done for him. He does it in reaction to this new life that he is living. He does it in reaction to to the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the apostles are giving. Because when we think about all that God has given to us, and we think about how little we deserved in our life, then we realize anything that we can give is not a drop in the bucket to repaying. And so we don't give to repay the debt that we have towards God. We don't give because we try to make it even. We don't give because we are compelled to. We don't give because we feel guilty if we don't put in the bucket. We don't give because we feel like this sense that we have to. We give because he was so generous towards us that the only way we can live a life today is to be generous towards others. Barnabas didn't see his security and his status and his future in money. He saw it in Jesus. And when he was able to do that, he was able to part with these things that gave false promises in his life. And now let's read a story of a very different man. And his wife, Ananias and Sapphira. So, right after it talks about Barnabas, it talks about this other man and his wife that comes. It says, But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds? Of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? That's key right here. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. The dude died. And great fear came upon all who heard it. Saying, not (laughs) just kidding. The young men rose up and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. What a job! Like ushers, get ready. (laughs) After an interval, it's not over yet. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, right? She wasn't on the gossip train back then. And Peter said to her, Tell me, Whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to it, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. She died too. When the young man came in, they're like, oh, we just buried one dude. They came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Whew. See, this is a story of the difference between gospel transformation and religious hearts. The thing about Ananias and Sapphira is they gave a lot of money. They sold their land. They took a portion for themselves, and they gave. They could have kept everything, Peter said. They didn't even have to sell their land. There was no compelling to do so. There was no compelling to bring all the proceeds. There was none of that. Peter said, you could have kept your land, and you could have kept all the money. You could have even kept that little portion that you wanted. Nobody is making you do this. But yet they held on to this idol of status. And it's funny how this worked because at this moment in time, it was like you had status in the church if you gave a lot of money. And so what did they thought? They thought, hey, we want to hold on to our status. We like our power. We like how people view us. And so we are going to give something that is a pure act. Because we want to be looked at in a good way from the eyes of others. See, this is the story of how we check our hearts. Because if we don't give and if we give, we can give and not give with bad motivations. See, the difference between religious people and people that have a relationship with God is the difference between where the idols of your heart lay Is the difference between where do you find your security? Where do you find your status? Where do you find the things in life that are offered? Are you finding your status and your security? Are you finding it in money? Are you finding it in your, your job title? Are you finding it in your friendships? Are you finding it in the clothes that you wear? Are you finding it in the TV shows that you watch? Are you finding it in the praises that people give you? Or are you finding it in Christ and him alone? Ananias gave and his wife gave with a heart that said, I want to look good in the eyes of others. They did not give with a heart where their lives were transformed, and through that transformation, they became generous. See, Barnabas wasn't looking for his return. He wasn't looking to be good in the eyes of people. This is a a very concrete story that Luke is telling us. Here is a man who gave with a right intention and a right heart. And here is a man and his wife who gave with the wrong intentions and a wrong heart. And what we're asking you today is uh, I'm not saying, hey, go sell everything that you have. Go empty your bank accounts. Let's fill Zion's bank account. Today, let's just get money, money, money. If you like what I'm saying, come drop your $20 bills at the altar. That's not what is happening today. But what is happening today is, is, are we being challenged by the Holy Spirit in our thought and our process around money? Are we being challenged today by God and his good news on how we view our paycheck, how we view our status, how we view our possessions, how we view our home, how we view our bank account? Are we looking at that and saying, hey, I'm going to have a good day today because my bank account's full, or I'm feeling depressed today because it's a little bit more empty than I wanted, you know, the, the market's not doing as well, or I, I used up more than I had, or I didn't realize this bill was going to be so much money, and so we we derive who we are our happiness our joy from what we have and that is what God is challenging us today in is our joy derived in him where it doesn't matter if we have a lot or if we have a little it doesn't matter how much we give whether it's a lot or a little it doesn't matter what our life looks like on the exterior but are we good with it thing about that is that if we find the idolatry of money in our heart, I can tell you that God is here to rearrange the throne room of your heart. God is present to rearrange the throne room of New York City. God is not powerless. Money is not more powerful than him. Money is not more powerful than God. It won't give you better security. It won't give you more fulfillment. It won't give you more joy. But it will lie about what it will give you. It will lie about what lies ahead for you. See, religion... Calls us to be perceived as good. But the gospel allows Jesus to change our hearts so that we are alive. And the practical side of this is that if this is a hard place in your life, Then we can pray during worship, but we can start giving. There's two ways that are very practical to walk away from today. Right? What we see in this passage is, if if you ask them, like, Justin, am I supposed to sell my house? You know, unless God tells you to, I mean. This was the beginning of the church. The, the need that they had was astronomical. They had, I believe, a special grace on them at that moment so that everybody had to chip in. This was literally the beginning of Christianity. They had thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to know Jesus as Savior within a matter of days. In some of these moments, in a matter of moments, the church, thousands of people were added. And so because of that, there was an incredible need. And to fulfill that need, yes, people had to sell everything that they owned, and they brought it to the apostles, and they did what they needed to do. They distributed. They made sure everybody had need. When I have found that God has challenged me in my life, you know, it was a practical thing that happened. And again, I'm not saying this is, Something that you need to do, but it's something that happened to me. There was a, when I was, this was a couple of years ago, I was saving more money than I was giving, which is not a bad thing to do, I don't think. But I remember God challenging me one day when I was praying, why are you saving so much? It was a good amount of money that I was saving. I think saving is great. I still save. Just gotta throw that. And it was because I went to business school and they scare the crap out of you when it comes to money. And they give you all the charts and the statistics about retirement and what you want to do and what age you need to start doing what and how much money you need to put away and the time value of money and what that t- value looks like now as opposed to 10 years from now, 30 years, 40 years from now. And so because of that, there was a fear that I, was in, that I had in my heart, which was causing me to look at money as my security for my future, and so God challenged me in that moment and challenged me to flip the amount I was saving and the amount I was giving, and so I began to give the amount that I was saving and saving the amount that I was giving, and that was a practical way that in the prayer that God challenged me in that moment of challenge that there was a, a switch that was able to happen that even though it hurt, giving is the way God uses is the method that God uses in our own hearts to break this idolatry that we have. It's like, well, I love my money, I'm never gonna give. And I keep praying, you know, God give, God give this to me. Well, it's like, how about you just give five dollars away? See how that works. And it, it may be painful, but give it. And then over time, we start to release this control that it has over our life. And as a community, what we can do is, the the practical thing is, we can just start giving to the mission that we have now, right? We want to see community, we want to see discipleship, we want to see creativity, all three values that will Form and change and and feed into this idea of a city to come, this, this heaven on earth, this New York City that is different than the city that we're seeing now, we can give to that. We can be generous towards that. But we can also be generous towards people. There's people in need in our congregation today. We have a benevolent fund that we can give towards. That the leaders in the church can look and see need and be able to give to people that have need. And then there's in your practical life. I mean, share like a snack that you have with somebody. If you really gotta start low, like share your snacks or something. Like that was that was actually a big deal for me. I never liked sharing as a kid. And literally, the gospel is grand, but it's also in the minute. Somebody out for lunch and just pay for their meal. Don't tell them until after, so that they order appetizers and desserts and coffee and all that good stuff. But we have been so, and I still feel it in the room. It's funny. We're so scared to talk about money. It's like, oh, he's talking about giving to the church. You see, like that he's doing it. He said he wasn't, but here he is. No, I challenge that perspective. The fact that that would be a hard place in our heart, that means there's idolatry that needs to go. God challenges us daily to be generous. He challenges us. And he also gives us the ability so that the mission that he has given us to make disciples of all the nations can be fulfilled. And the only, not the only way, but a practical way that happens is resources, is money how we can be a part of that mission, not only with our time, not only with our praise, not only with coming on Sunday—is also giving towards that, to being a part of it. And I pray that today that he challenges me to be a more generous person. I pray that he challenges you to be a more generous person in who you are. And so when Stephanie comes up and she shares about how to give, pay extra attention. Because I know God is working in our hearts right now. And I don't care if you're mad at me, that's cool. Because I want to see God, it is my job as the pastor here to make sure that I'm not leaving topics unsaid or topics undone, but that he is challenging us in every direction and every aspect that we need to be challenged as a congregation and as a body. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. That you do not wimp out on the hard topics. But that you challenge us at every level in our life and in our heart. You challenge us at the surface. You challenge us at the core. And I pray that today that your Holy Spirit would continue to challenge us not only here, but as we leave the room. Lord, that you would show us to be more generous people in all that we have and all that we do. That the moment that it is difficult for us to let go of what we have. Lord, that we would remember what you have done. That you gave literally everything up until the point of death. God, and so the money that we have, the resources that we have, that we can give. I thank you that we give because we were given to And that is the character, that is the lifestyle, and that is the model that you have left for us. And every place that idolatry of money has taken the throne room of our heart, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just pray that you would dethrone those places that have not let go of our hearts, that have not let go of our lifestyles, that have not let go of our mind. And we thank you That your good news is powerful enough to break even the chains that money has set in the culture that we have lived in today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and worship.